much for standing. We're finishing our study of Jude. And again, I hope you've been helped. I hope you've been strengthened. I hope you've been challenged. I hope you have been warned. Um, Listen, apostates are all around us. And if we're not careful, they can be amongst us. And all God's people said. And uh, God has given us many tools and, and shown us how to recognize apostates. But we're closing out this beloved chapter here. Last week, number one, Roman number number one, we looked at the preservation. That first part of verse 24, it says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. I'm here to tell you that if you have truly trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, not a mere hollow profession, but truly trusted him, he is able to keep you from falling and you are never going to be an apostate. Never. Amen. Thank God for that. Amen. Now, I will tell you this, and here, here's what I've told people before. You better be careful but about, listen, we all sin. We all have trouble. We, we all have trouble in the flesh. The flesh and the spirit are always contrary, but you better be awfully careful about, uh, listen, if you're truly saved, your daddy will spank you. And God, God chastens his children. Now, again, the best way to let him chasten you is right here through the word of God. You read the word, he chastens your heart, you repent, amen. But if, if the word doesn't work, he can use what I call the spiritual woodshed. You know, that's where country folks used to take their children with a switch. And it was never a pleasant thing. God can take you to the woodshed. He, listen, he can dry up that job that you depend on. Huh? He, he, can, he can make reverse in your life. He can, he can take the health away from you that you've had for so long. He can do that. And if the word in the woodshed doesn't work for his children, sometimes God will use the wooden box. There is a sin unto death. God will say, you're not bringing me any glory. It's time for you to come home. Now again... That's not a good way to end. I'd rather end on, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But it's important to know that just as God is able to save you by his power, he is able to keep you saved by his power. So the preservation. Then secondly, the presentation. And I wish, I, I truly wish I had the time to uh, give to this like I would want to. Uh, the presentation, uh, particularly uh, in, in Eastern weddings, uh, the presentation was such an important part uh, of what went on. This is not in the notes, but just uh, as I'm thinking about this, as, as uh, the, the, the day would finally come for uh, a husband and a bride to be married, and the husband was many times uh, away for uh, a year during the betrothal period, building a house for his, his bride and, and making a place where they could come, and, and the bride would be just uh, away, and they would be uh, apart from each other, and then the bride would come, and, and that's where you get that beautiful illustration in Matthew chapter 25 uh, of the ten virgins. Behold, the bridegroom cometh, amen. And once he did that, that bride would be whisked away. And, and that when they finally had the wedding ceremony, that the father of the groom would take that bride and he would present her as a gift to, that, to his son, to, to the husband. And I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, there's so much symbolism because one of these days... The bridegroom is going to come and whisk away his bride, the church, 
and the Father is going to present the church faultless and spotless to his son. A gift. Oh my, what, what thoughts. And so the, this presentation here that it says there, it says that in the second part of verse 24, it says not only is he able to keep you from falling, but is able to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. This faultless presentation, blank line there, this faultless presentation is only possible through the sacrificial death, substitutionary atonement, and shed blood of Jesus Christ. For the only righteousness that a Christian has is from Jesus Christ. Amen? Hold your spot there and write this cross-reference down. 2 Corinthians 5.21. Let's, let's go there. Amen. Go there in your Bibles with me. 2 Corinthians 5.21. And then we'll look up the verse in Peter there. 2 Corinthians 5.21 is one of the most fantastic verses in your King James Bible. By the way, the whole chapter's great. Verse, verse 7, we walk by faith, not by sight. Verse 8 uh, says we are confident... Rather, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Verse uh, 11, verse 10, uh, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Verse 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. But verse 21 tells us what happened between the Father and the Son and why. It says, for he, that's the Father. Look at your Bibles now. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 for he hath made him to be sin for us. The Father hath made the Son to be sin for us. He poured out all his sins and all his judgment and all his indignation upon his own Son for us. What does it say? Who knew no sin. You see, Jesus never sinned. Why did he do it? That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. That's that, that's that sacrificial death. That's that substitutionary atonement. That's that shed blood. What did it accomplish? Go to 1 Peter chapter 1, over by, back over by Jude. 1 first, first, Peter, 1 2 3 John, Jude, then Revelation. 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at it there with me if you would. What a, what a passage. Verse 18 says, For as much as ye know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your, from your vain conversation received by tradition of your father. You know what that tells you right there? There's no way you can buy yourself to heaven. There's no way you can buy your way to heaven. I have bad news for our friends at Rome that have been peddling that lie for thousands of years. If you just give indulgences, you'll get to heaven. No, you won't either. Nobody buys their way into heaven. There's only one way to heaven. And in verse 19 it says, But with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without what? Without blemish and without what? See, that's exactly what the Father is going to present to His Son, His bride, us, the church, faultless. Now, I don't know about you, but that does something for me. Because 
don't know about you, but I've had trouble with sin this week. Now, you can sit there like visitors from heaven. Maybe you didn't, amen. Uh, but I had trouble with sin this week. Sin has bothered me. I've repented. I've confessed it, amen. You say, what is it? It's none of your business. Amen. And in yours is none of my business, Amen. Uh, if it's in the depths of the sea, that's it's none of nobody's business after I've confessed it, amen. But, but, it's hard for me to understand, Brother Sammons, that one day we'll literally be in the presence of God and there won't be any blemishes and any spots and any faults at all. Whew. Amazing. For the only righteousness that a Christian has comes from Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.21 and 1 Peter 1.19. He will present us in the presence of His glory. So, the presentation. Then back in Jude, Roman number, number 3, we have the proclamation, and we have uh, several, several questions here uh, in each. The proclamation, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. So, the proclamation. What, what is this proclamation here? Number one, who? Who? Well, it tells us there, to the only wise God. God is the only one worthy of our praise. He is the only one who has all wisdom. He's the only one that has all wisdom. By the way, thank God he gives us his word, amen, that we can have wisdom. We can obtain wisdom. I was just, again, uh, write these devotionals for my boys and wrote one today and said, the difference between foolishness and wisdom is choices based upon the word of God based upon the teaching and principles of the Word of God. So, who is this proclamation toward? It's, of course, to, to God. What? What is this proclamation? Well, it says there, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. So, what? Not only, number one, who? God is the only one worthy of our praise. He is the only one who has all wisdom. But number two, what? God is is the only one worthy of, A, B, C, D, A, B, C, D here, uh, A, is glory. The manifested excellence of God. You know, I think one of the things that we, um, you know, it's, you can read about it, but there's only a few people on earth who ever experienced it, and that was the, 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 the glory of God, the literal glory of God. Remember when Moses said, show me your glory. Show it to me. And Brother Boston, God said, I can't. It'll kill you. Remember that? You remember that story? And he literally had to turn backwards, and, and, and he, he, he passed by. And then there was another time on the Mount of Transfiguration when Moses and Elijah and Peter and James and John were there and they saw Jesus in his glory, what he will be like when he is revealed. That's the next book here, Revelation, revealed in all his glory. You remember what Peter said? It is good for us to be here. <laughs> Amen. I love, love Peter. You know, God alone, God alone is worthy of glory. You know, I, I hate to say this. It sounds so, so uh, mean, I guess. He doesn't need us. 
He doesn't need us one bit. And yet he still loves us. Amen? And still wants us to experience his glory. So, God is the only one worthy of glory. God is the only one worthy of majesty. That is literally the presence of God, the presence of the God of the universe, His majesty. Wow. This is all one day, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to happen. The thought of this, wow. So God is the only one worthy of glory, of majesty, C, of dominion. That means the strong rule of God. The strong rule of God, dominion. By the way, Read about it when God returns in chapter 19 of Revelation. Not everybody bows at his feet. Every knee will bow. But he's, the Bible says he's going to rule with a rod of iron. He's, listen, forgive me. There's going to be a lot of liquor stores to wreck. A lot of pornography shops to put out of business. Amen. He's going to rule with a rod of iron. It's not going to be, oh, shucks. He is going, his dominion is going to be on display. The strong rule of God. And then it says glory and majesty, dominion and power. That is literally the omnipotence of God. God will be revealed as all-powerful. Now, again, you can take that on faith, glory to God, that he's all-powerful. Just read this book. It tells you he's all-powerful. But there at that presentation, it'll be fully on display. This is the one who spake it all into existence. Wow. And then not only who and what, but number three, when. Look what it says there in the end of verse 25. Both now, so A, now, Aren't you glad about that? God is not uh, hung, a, hung a sign outside of his throne. It says, be back in five minutes or out to lunch. Miss Mary, he's ruling. He's ruling. He's ruling the universe according to his decrees and his laws and his righteousness and his uh, glory and majesty and dominion and power. Amen. Both now and be forever. Forever. I like what Philip said here. Philip has a good book called Exploring the Epistle of Jude. Said, when he rules over all of God's vast new empires in space, when time shall be no more, we shall forever shout his praise. We do it now. We shall do it forever. Amen, says Jude. What more can he say? The wretched apostates have had their say. They have had their day. Now it is God's turn. And we say a thankful amen to that. And all God's people said, amen.